0: What's up, everybody? It is time for the 21st episode of the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'm Joe Serrallo. Joining me, my man, Mackenzie Rivers. We've got a lot of games to get to, a lot of stories to get to. Mackenzie, how you doing, my man? I'm
1: doing excellent. Vegas is getting an NBA team. How could I be better?
0: (laughs) That's the report. That's the report. Let's dive in there. The NBA is eyeing expansion, and it looks like if the league jumps from 30 to 32 teams, that the lucky cities will be Seattle, of course, because they should have never lost a team in the first place, and Las Vegas. Mackenzie, what do you think about this westward expansion of the league?
1: I think it's important to lay out the context because we've heard rumors of Vegas and Seattle being the next possible destination spoken for years now. However, it's different this time because it wasn't if or maybe it was... Bill Simmons, who's you know as plugged into the NBA as, as any sports writer can be, said, I mean, he didn't say it like he was quoting a source, but he said it like it was a report. He said, uh, I don't care if I'm aggregated. I think I'm right. And what he was saying was, A, that the next two expansion teams will be Vegas and Seattle, and that it will happen at the same time, and B, that leaders in the clubhouse to get the Vegas NBA team is the Fenway Sports Group, who own the Red Sox, and who you also might know own Liverpool. One of those owners of Liverpool is LeBron James. Bill Simmons went further. He said, "He said I believe this is accurate. The NBA wants minority ownership as part of this uh, two-team expansion, and they want LeBron James involved." And we, he said, since years and years back, that he wants to be an NBA owner. We've seen this before, Bill Simmons points out. Michael Jordan, after he left the NBA, very quickly, some NBA arms were around him saying, you should be the front man. First, it was the Washington Wizards, and then it was the Charlotte Hornets, who he currently is a majority ownership to this day. Now, Bill Simmons goes further. Will the NBA bend its rules so that LeBron James can be the first player owner? For this Vegas expansion team. This is all speculation. This is all hearsay. But I'm telling you as someone that's followed Bill Simmons. Um, he doesn't make stuff up. He can get stuff wrong. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving to the Knicks was wrong. But he was hearing sources telling him the motions that were in place. And there was no qualms. There was no uh, I maybe down the road. This sounds like it's happening sooner rather than later. He even quoted $6.5 billion. As the expansion figure for the two teams combined, what does that mean? Well, NBA owners currently have one, 30 teams have 100% ownership of the league. So if you dilute it to 32 teams, then obviously your, your league ownership would lessen and your franchise value would lessen. So to, to supplement that, a new owner, two new owners, two new ownership groups, one for Seattle, one for Vegas, would fork over $6.5 billion to the other 30 owners. Uh, to compensate for expanding the league,
0: yes, because the billionaires need more billions in their pocket, right, Mackenzie? I mean, that's 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 what this game is all about,
1: right? Here in the states, they say. Yep. I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm thrilled to have have Vegas We're here in my backyard. Have an NBA team. We have probably the best facilities as far as arenas, places to stay, uh, people that want to see the kind of action that the NBA brings on a night to night basis. It it all works my problem is I think there's already too many teams in the league I think there's already a problem either no stars play together or if one or two of the top ten players play together then nobody else has a shot except for those teams so I think as it is it's competitively unbalanced but there's a lot of good NBA players there's a lot of good players out there in the world that would love to call themselves NBA players so there's enough talent out there but what do you think about all this the cities uh, the fact that we're gonna that we Looks like we're going to have 32 teams like the NFL sooner rather than later. What do you make of the whole deal?
0: Personally, I think that expansion would be great for the NBA. Um, I think it'd be great for the NBA. I think it would be great for fans. I have no problem uh, with expanding. You know, it sounds like you're worried about diluting the talent even further. I have no problem with that at all. I think that all four of the major North American sports leagues should have 32 teams. And football and hockey are now there. And basketball and baseball just need to get there. I've actually been saying that Vegas should have an MLB team uh, for quite some time. Side note my senior year of college, I was taking some layup classes at St. Bonaventure. One of them was sports marketing. My final project was all about why Vegas should have an MLB team. Yes. And I, I think Vegas deserves all four major sports. You know, Vegas is a major city. It's not just that tourist attraction for you to go have a crazy weekend anymore. Families are moving there. They've proven, uh, even before the Raiders relocated with the Golden Knights, that they are avid sports fans. The Golden Knights have, since their inception, I believe the best or top two uh, attendance in the NHL. So give Vegas their professional sports teams. I love that. Seattle, like I said earlier, they should have never left. I mean, Oklahoma City to me is just probably the worst market for an NBA team in the league. Um, But yeah, I actually, I I love expansion. I think 32 is going to be that magic number. I think anything past that would kind of be crazy. But 32 teams across the four leagues, I think sounds great. Now, looking at the LeBron James side of this, that is really intriguing to me. Look, I can't see LeBron becoming a player owner, unless he is playing for Vegas, right? I mean, it wouldn't make sense to have LeBron playing for the Lakers, yet being an owner of a, a new team in Vegas. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that would just not fly, right? He would have to play for that team if he was going to be a player owner? Yes.
1: I. Wow, that, that blew my mind even. I mean, they were talking about bending the rules so that he could be a player owner. I can't imagine them bending the rules so he can be a player with one team and the owner of another. No, it, it seems like you'd have to have all your eggs in one basket.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't have the conflict of interest there. Um, This stuff also, though, never seems to move as quickly as, you know, like this isn't even a report yet. This is a rumor. And and I, I know that Simmons being the one to say it gives it legs, but, you know, LeBron might be retired by the time this actually materializes, by the time this actually happens. So I don't know if that will actually be an issue, or maybe he has one or two years left by that time and goes and plays them with Vegas. But I am all for LeBron owning them. I think that, you know, he's got the money. If you look at Forget His Salary, the money that this man's made off endorsements, he's got the money to own an NBA team. Having a minority, and not just a uh, minority, but a former player, own an NBA team is absolutely incredible. And I love how it just, in my opinion, continues to feed into the LeBron versus Michael. Uh, You know, right now and for the last 10 years, it's been who's the GOAT, LeBron or Jordan. And now it could be who's the better owner. I mean, I just I love the nonstop competition between LeBron James and Michael Jordan, and I think you know if LeBron becomes an owner, that competition's only going to get uh you know just as fierce, if not more fierce, than it is with the two of them as players.
1: Let me rep Las Vegas a little bit because uh, it doesn't get the love that it that it should. It's 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 not only a wonderful destination, but it's one of the economic marvels of our time. And I am a nerd. Let me just put that out (laughs) right quick. And I love Wikipedia and I love Excel. And sometimes when I'm not doing anything else, I I do a lot of research projects that never see the light of day because they're not interesting to anybody except for me. Well, now I can throw this in because some 3 a.m., some maybe two, three years ago, I looked at the population growth of every major city that I could think of. New York, Chicago, Seattle. And I wanted to find Vegas was at pulling this up, 40,000, 40,000 people in 1960. Now it's at 2.9 million, the Vegas metro area. Has there ever been a growth like that of any metropolitan area that we can find that they have population records for?
0: It's all because of the godfather part too, right? I mean, you got to give the credit where it's due. <laughs> it, it,
1: it all came together. California getting too expensive, the a liberalization of the idea of gambling and people wanting to go where it's danger, where it's exciting and it being more and more accept, acceptable to do so. It's it's also just a place where if you're a limo driver, you can have a mansion in the suburbs. You you can do it. You can figure it out. I mean, the way the way uh, pricing has gone up the last five years, I don't know if that's still true. But that was always the that was always a dream. Tips for a bartender is enough to send your kid through college in this wonderful low cost California paradise. Except it's not even California where we call Las Vegas. Well, anyway, it's never happened except for Chicago, where I'm from. 1800 to 1880 had a similar population boom. And if you, I don't know if you know this, but that was also an industrial revolution. That was also an economic miracle. So Las Vegas is where it's at. There's a reason why we keep gaining 50, hundred thousand people every couple of years. It's because in Vegas, we have a motto that says, whatever you want to do, whatever you like, whatever time of day you like to grab your beer, you can do it here in Vegas. We have as little restrictions on lifestyle as possible and as many amenities as possible so this is where you should be if you're an NBA player if you have all the money to spend in the world if you like beautiful women if you like 75 degree days this is where it's at and I'm happy to hear this report I'm happy even as a a, a skeptic of the great LeBron James that I'll probably it sounds like be attending uh his last season home games when he when he hosts the uh the Las Vegas Kings now I guess they already got a Kings huh
0: well no no they have uh well, they have the Kings in L. A. Las Vegas is the Golden Knights and the. Raiders. Yeah, so I'm
1: saying I'm thinking of the new Vegas team, and it can't be Kings because there's the Sacramento. Oh,
0: Sacramento! Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Oh, and and how bad Mackenzie are the Sacramento Kings that my mind when I heard Kings was like, <laughs> no, it's a hockey team. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that just shows. Yeah. That shows you have well, when, when you don't make the
1: playoffs in 20 years, you know, you don't really get to exist anymore as a franchise. Literally, my whole <laughs> lifetime,
0: like I, I do not have a. I mean, ma- when's the last time they actually made the playoffs?
1: I believe it was with the Chris Webber, Vlade Divac crew, but let me confirm that.
0: I mean, because I'm born in 98, and so even if they made it in my lifetime, they haven't made it since, you know. 2006.
1: You know, any... Wow, I don't remember that 2006 Kings Oh, okay. Team. Yeah, I don't remember
0: them making the playoffs then. I was eight years old. I was watching and following basketball then. But, yeah, I don't recall 06 either. I mean. That's embarrassing. 16 Tweet years. Tweet me without at a
1: Mac and Rivers if you have a memory of watching the 2016.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Then you're a real diehard. That, that'll <laughs> right. earn you your fan card right there. Uh, no but I will say, Mackenzie, we might have to scrap this episode and throw it out before the league office hears it uh, because. <laughs> Your whole spiel right there about how amazing Las Vegas is, that could be considered tampering to get James Harden to go to this Vegas team. (laughs) I mean, what you just said about as little restrictions and beautiful women, uh, James Harden, I can already tell you right now, is going to have the worst shooting percentage of whatever year this team (laughs) comes into existence in Vegas. Because he is going to be at the strip club until 7 a.m. the day of that game. It's going to be James
1: Harden, questionable,
0: nightlife. Exactly. (laughs) He might show up. James Harden questionable at ATM trying to get singles. Uh, I mean, it, it's problematic. That, that's the one downside: is that NBA players are pretty well known, well documented to like to party, maybe a little more than other players across you know other sports. And look, I mean, all professional athletes party, right? We're not going to dispute this and act like the '86 Mets didn't happen. But NBA players do like to party. They do like their strip clubs and. Vegas would worry me a little bit as a coach, as a team owner. I mean, it's just a lot of forbidden fruit at their disposal. But, you know, at the end of the day, look, they're grown men.
1: Yeah, if I own a different team, then I'm I'm happy there's going to be a team that's going to be. Well, actually, I guess, I don't know, the Vegas Knights, they always talked about the Vegas flu where the Golden Knights weren't partying too much. It was every team that came in to Vegas that seemed to have a sleepy, sleepy next day. So, yeah, it's definitely a concern. It's a concern.
0: Yeah, that, that that's a great point because then it's like, hey, we're only going there once or twice a year. Let's go have a great time. It's like, right. you know, one of my good friends is Josh Booty, the former LSU quarterback who prior to playing quarterback um at LSU was actually the first round pick of the Marlins in the 90s. And he said, "Man, whenever they would go play the Phillies, that's when they would have the most fun because they'd be at Atlantic City. It's just, you know, a short like hour, hour and a half long drive, and they'd be taking limos to Atlantic City the night after, you know, a game. They'd be there all night. It was the novelty of, "Hey, Guys, this game's on the schedule. Let's have some fun when we're there.
1: I definitely partied more in Vegas when I, when I visited than, I, than when I lived. But I don't know. I don't know if that's just my life. Yeah. You mentioned partying. You mentioned James Harden. Wow. Let's talk Harden. What a weekend. Last podcast, I came on here, and we or maybe it was two podcasts ago. I said a team that I want to fade, especially earlier, is the Sixers because Harden's a very high-usage guy. and Bead's a very high-usage guy. they never played together, never played with anyone of a similar style. Uh, I threw that theory in the trash can when I saw the Minnesota Timberwolves get walloped in James Harden's debut, lost by 30, a team, like I said, the Wolves have been red hot. The Sixers look like they've been playing together for 10 years. James Harden threw two games, they're 2-0 straight up in ATS, has 28 assists and only 26 shot attempts. He seems like he's completely revolutionized his game again. He looks just as good as he did as an MVP. I know it's only two games. But I don't think that he's going to be working himself into shape or anything like that. What I saw with my eyes Friday and Sunday night completely changed my perspective on this team. By the way, other people in Vegas also saw a similar revelation with how good their two performances were. On Friday, could have got the 76ers at plus 750. Now consensus is plus 650. Shop around, but multiple multiple futures markets are adjusting just from two games that's how good James Harden looked
0: you said 26 shot attempts is that correct I'm pulling this up I got to see how many free throws he's taken in those two games he's got 26 shot attempts and 19 free throws I mean does that shock anyone that those numbers are almost equal when it comes to James Harden uh he's been him and Embiid the two of them have lived at the free throw line through two games And, you know, maybe it's not the most entertaining style of basketball. I personally have enjoyed them, but man, they're dominant. They just, they get calls. They get buckets. The two of them together, I'm really, really enjoying this duo through two games. You know, last episode, and, you know, I have to address the elephant in the room. Our best bets have been awful for the past month, Uh, past, well, two to three weeks. Um, The last episode, I gave my best bet returning from the All-Star break. It was Memphis minus two at Minnesota. That didn't work out for me. So the next night, I placed the biggest bet I've ever placed in my life on an NBA game. 20 units. I took the 76ers. I think it was minus two and a half. Yep. Against Minnesota. T-Wolves playing a back-to-back. And they just blew them out of the water. That was like the most comfortable bet I've, I've had in weeks. Not even a contest. And I was like, wow. This can be scary. Took uh, took the 76ers again against the Knicks. Minus seven and a half was a bit of a sweat out, but late in the game, they ran away with it. This could be the best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I mean, look, I'm not trying to jump the gun here. I can't wait to see them play Milwaukee. I can't wait to see them play, you know, the teams that have overperformed in the eyes of many, like Miami and Chicago. But Philadelphia is the real deal. And when you were kind of fading them uh, to an effect, I was really on them because I think Philadelphia, you know, if you look at the head-to-head matchup Sixers-Nets, right? Of course, they made the swap Simmons for Harden. I'm on Philly all day in that matchup against Brooklyn. I think that the 76ers are the best team in their division. We could be in store for, you know, a Philly-Milwaukee series sometime in the postseason that I think would just be the best basketball in the Eastern Conference.
1: There are four teams that can win the East, in my opinion. Philadelphia, with a bullet, is definitely one of them. I've learned that over this weekend. Brooklyn, a lot of question marks. Kevin Durant supposedly coming back. Kyrie Irving supposedly being able to play home games. Ben Simmons supposedly coming back. The Bucs, they just won it last year in the Miami Heat. Other than that, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the Chicago Bulls have value. I don't want to hear you got to look out for the Cavs. I just don't want to hear it because at the end of the day, who is going to take you to that mountaintop on any of those teams? I believe in Jimmy Butler to get, a team to the finals. He's done it. I believe in James Harden is one of the best players in the world. And Joel Embiid is the best player in the world so far this year. So, yeah, they're clearly in that conversation. And I thought it might take a minute. I thought it might not work entirely. I thought it might take, I definitely thought it would take a minute to start get, getting going, but it hasn't. And I think that says something because there's still efficiencies that they can gain together. And you talk about free throw shooting. Free throw shooting. I don't think it's a coincidence. In entirety of Joel Embiid's career, he had never shot more than 23 free throws. In game two with James Harden, he's at the free throw line a career-high 27 times. It's because you can't really send help when James Harden's on the floor. You can't really know exactly where to be when James Harden's orchestrating things, getting down, pushing the ball and break. It's it's chaotic, and when you're chaotic one-on-one against a seven-foot-one guy, uh, that moves the way Joel Embiid does. What do you do? You hack, you foul. You can't stop them otherwise, and they're going to be a serious problem for the Brooklyn Nets, who don't have size. Uh, Giannis is going to have his work cut out for him. It's going to be it's going to be a great Eastern Conference playoffs because they have two teams that are that are great to test their metal against, and I think they're up to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you if you looked at that Sixers Knicks game, and that was an early game in Vegas on Sunday, and it's not really your team, so I don't know if you watched it, but I was watching that game jericho oh,
1: I, I, I watched it I, I bet it let me t- let me talk about that oh, okay because you're b- the biggest bet of your life uh i had a one unit play uh on the timberwolves money line so um thanks for the text <laughs> to, no, I, I probably would have bet it anyway i mean it was it was a it was a one unit play but uh yeah i thought the timberwolves would shrug off the back-to-back and like i said i thought the Sixers would start off slow didn't happen wasn't true after that game though I was convinced, and I was on the Sixers, minus seven and a half at the Knicks, kind of close in the fourth quarter, but once they got Embiid and Harden back in the game, it wasn't close, just unstoppable.
0: Yeah, and so since you watched that, you noticed that in the fourth quarter, and this was kind of when Philly really busted it open, Jericho Sims fouled out, Mitchell Robinson came in off the bench to replace him, next sequence, he fouls out, and right there, Embiid took the Knicks two centers out. Julius Randle was having to play the five, and you had him and Obie down low, and you know, look, they're both very skilled players. Randall, of course, a season ago was phenomenal. Those, you you don't want him or Obi Toppin on Joel Embiid. Uh, You know, you really want Mitchell Robinson on him as much as as possible. And and Embiid got two centers to foul out in the same game. It's just, you're, you know, what you said about Harden being out there. Yeah. I mean, it's really tough without doubling Embiid. You know, it's like you double both those guys and then what you're leaving Tobias Harris or or Maxi wide open. Like the Sixers are a tough, Team to defend against. But we mentioned the Wolves and how Philadelphia had their coming out party against Minnesota. They are in my first featured game of this episode, Tuesday night, Warriors at T-Wolves. I'll get an update on how that T-Wolves-Cavs game ended. But right now, the early line that is out, you can bet, is the Timberwolves, minus one, a point favorite at home against Golden State. Is that accurate to you, man? I think it's a little light. I think, um,
1: well, actually, considering that Clay Thompson missed with illness, it still seems light. I still have the Warriors minus two, so Clay Thompson question mark. I think he plays. If he doesn't play, then the line's right, so maybe the market's telling you something there. Uh, seems pretty much accurate. Minnesota, red hot on offense, but you know, pretty poor defensively recently. Golden State's been, been up and down. They sincerely missed Raymond Green at the moment. Uh, what do you make of the game?
0: It's hard for me to see Golden State as an underdog in this matchup. I know that they're struggling immensely and that they've been ice cold. Oh, you, and oh excuse me.
1: Sorry. I thought you said uh, I have Golden State minus two. Yeah. So the fact that they're getting one. Yeah, that, I, I do see value on Golden State there.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It, to me, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense that Minnesota's favored. I know that they're hot and Golden State's not, but I don't think it's that simple. Like you said, the Timberwolves have not been playing defense lately, even tonight. They beat Cleveland on the road. Good win. They covered two. They were minus three and a half. They won 127 to 122. But the Cavaliers are not a team that really thrives on the three ball, right? We've discussed this about them, especially with all of their injuries at the guard position. You know, Sexton's out for the year. They still don't have Darius Garland. He's been out a few games. They hit 15 threes. They shot over 40% from beyond the arc. Their starting lineup, I mean, for Christ's sake, was four four front court players in their starting lineup. I'm looking at it right now. Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley, Laurie Markinen, Isaac Okoro, all of those guys are forwards or centers. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers, for them to score f- or make 15 threes and convert over 40% of their shots from beyond the arc, that's really, really bad defense from Minnesota, in my opinion. Looking at this game, Yes, Minnesota, like I said, they've been hotter. In February, they're 6-4 and 1 against the spread. The Warriors just 2-7 and 1 against the spread. Remember when we started doing this show, McKenzie? Golden State was one of the best covering teams in basketball. I mean, they've really fallen off. But in the second leg of a back-to-back, the Timberwolves, we saw it just a few days ago with the you know the cover and the win against Memphis and then the blowout loss to Philly, the Timberwolves are just 3-7 against the spread in the second leg. Of a back to back. Also, after a win, they are just 13 18 and 1 against the number. Golden State on the flip side, they had a catastrophic blown lead loss to the Dallas Mavericks that they're coming off of. After a loss, the Warriors are 10 and 7 against the spread, but 13 and 4 straight up, remember, if they're only getting a point here, you're probably going to want to pay more attention to that straight up number than the against the spread number. 13-4 and straight up after a loss are the Warriors. My lean here is Warriors' money line, minus 102 currently on FanDuel, and the over on anything below 221. So far, these teams have met three times this year. Home team has won all three. Remember, this game is at Minnesota, so I'm going against that trend but all three of those games have gone over. In February, the Warriors have gone over 7 out of 10 times. The Timberwolves now 9 out of 12 times. So I like the over below 221 and the Warriors' money line minus 102.
1: I'm leaning in the same direction as you. My numbers say Golden State should be a favorite. And just historically, kind of like, I mean, not to the same degree, but much like Tom Brady, you just don't make the Warriors an underdog. At one point, Steph Curry, uh, you know, 10-0 or 11-1. He had some ridiculous underdog streak because they were so rarely an underdog. And that's the position that they find themselves in here. Klay Thompson ruled out uh, officially for that game. The Wolves give up the second most points to opposing shooting guards and small forwards. So that's uh, an area of weakness that the Warriors won't be able to attack as well. That might keep me off the game, but it's, it's Warriors or pass.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not best bet quality, but the lean is there for Golden State to win it outright. Uh, and, and I think, if if anything, the over might be the best play. Just because, like you said, Minnesota's not playing too much defense. The Warriors are still without Draymond Green. If Klay Thompson doesn't play, yes, that hurts them offensively, but he's also a terrific two-way guy. So it, it could just be a, a shot fest in this one. Uh, let's flip over to a different game Tuesday night. The Dallas Mavericks, who are hot as hell, taking on the LA Lakers, who... McKenzie are the exact opposite of hot as hell. I mean, the Lakers right now are just totally collapsing. Thought they'd come out of the all star break with energy. Two less than mediocre opponents, Clippers, Pelicans, two embarrassing losses. Lakers have lost five of six
1: games. Remember, we talked about uh, that huge win against New York uh, at home. LeBron comes back uh, unexpectedly. Line moves from Lakers minus two and a half to Lakers minus five. They're down big. Uh, get to overtime, win in overtime, cover in overtime. Well, they've lost five of their last six since. The one time they did win, LeBron and Aaron Donald had a had a moment on the had a had a moment on the sidelines. You got to love life when you can win once in literally a month. In the month of February, they've won I think one time. Uh I know there was a big, you know, 10-day break in there. Okay, twice. And one of them is like a uh like a memorable, legendary moment with probably the greatest right. defensive player all the time. That's why of all time, that's why people go to L.A. because stuff's happening in L.A. There's buzz, there's feeling, there's love. But L.A. That, that kind of brings that kind of makes the point. L.A. does not need LeBron James as much as LeBron James needs L.A. LeBron has doubled his net worth. You know, Colin Cowherd said, I believe it. You know, that number is roughly true. Since moving to L.A., uh, he has huge brands out here. He's obviously. Loves being up in there in the rafters with Wilt and Shaq and Kobe. Brian Windhorst says people in the league who have a lot of experience say they should trade Anthony Davis and LeBron. Trade them both. Well, if you're losing by 28 points to the Pelicans without their best player, there's something There's something in the water. There's something wrong there. Their players are much better than they're showing. Uh, now it comes out that LeBron wanted Russell Westbrook traded and was upset that they didn't. Uh, Anonymous GM, gotta love those, said LeBron James stated that he wanted Rob Palinka to beat, uh, not what Rob Palinka wanted uh, Sam Presti to replace Rob Palinka as their general manager. This seems a lot like 2018-2019, where it's playoff mode activated, and then it's actually uh, Cancun activated. It seems like they're about to pack it in, and I still just can't get there when I look at this number. Mavericks minus four and a half at home first a team with two hall of famers i every time i see a lakers line i'm like well lakers clearly have value but i'm not touching it
0: last episode we were talking about it coming out of the all-star break and i could not see the lakers packing it in i said they've got a favorable schedule they start with the clippers and pelicans you know you can pick up some momentum easy wins right easy wins not win. easy by any means <laughs> i mean you know I, I had said how the clippers in the last 37 games were 30 and 7 now make it 31 and 7 head to head not easy wins by any means but you know, definitely winnable for LeBron James and company, right? Uh, so No, I wasn't I was I wasn't being sarcastic. Those looked
1: on paper like, okay, well, the Lakers start on break 2-0, and and they didn't.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now it's, it's hard to have any faith in them. I am starting to think that Cancun mode has been activated. You look at this, you've got the Mavericks, who you mentioned how the Lakers have lost five of six. They've also only covered twice in those six games. Well, the Mavericks have won seven out of nine and covered an eight out of nine. Since January 1st, since New Year's Day, Dallas is 16-9 and against the spread. In the last two months, pretty good sample size. Only the Grizzlies and the Toronto Raptors are better. Dallas on the road, 18-12 and against the spread. And 8-5 and as an away favorite. That's a tremendous number. The Lakers at home against the number are just 13-20. and Now, you want to talk about young legs here? We thought that the All-Star break would really help the Lakers, that they'd come out rejuvenated, you know, well-rested because they were an older team. Well, the Mavericks are the opposite of an older team. And with just one day off, the Mavericks are 24 and 13 against the spread, 65% cover rate, while the Lakers are just 15 and 23. That's an under 40% cover rate. All signs in this one point to uh point to the Dallas Mavericks and McKenzie, the reason it's my best bet is because I'm not taking them minus four and a half like you mentioned. Folks, this is your weekly reminder to shop around. Right now on DraftKings, the Mavericks are minus four and a half, and the VIG is minus 115. If you look on FanDuel at this moment, as we're recording, it's currently uh, 10.20 p.m. Eastern time for me in New York. On FanDuel, the Mavericks are right now minus three and a half, And the VIG is your standard minus 110. So that is my best bet. The Dallas Mavericks minus three and a half at the Lakers Tuesday night.
1: I don't mind it at all. Looking at my power rankings, I have the Mavericks minus three and a half. Do your shopping. Biggest sports books in the U.S., FanDuel and DraftKings, often come up with these early NBA lines at the same time. And they often have a point or more of variation. In this case, it's a a point and, and some change and some extra sense. So definitely do your shopping and get the best number. The casino is going to take every edge they can. We have to do the same if we're going to beat them. I think there's. I think you might be onto something here, because the only time I can remember, I mean, part of me wants to buy low on the Lakers because they can't lose every game, right? Well, they actually can. And I actually we talked. I talked a minute ago about the 2019 Lakers, where they activated playoff mode and then lost and then lost and then lost and there was no end in sight. There's also the 2017 2018 Cavs. Remember that Cavs team that finished fourth in a very, very not good Eastern Conference? They at one point lost 15 out of 16 games against the spread, and the numbers never got crazy. They never made huge adjustments because they didn't have to, because there's always going to be people that want to bet on the best player in the world, at least the way he's perceived by most people. I think he's top 10. LeBron James. So yeah, I, I could see the Mavericks continuing the trend, and I could see the LA Lakers continuing To look like they're moving on to next season.
0: Yeah. And you know, you mentioned that the difference, you know, when these books come out with opening lines, it's, you know, usually a half point or a point, maybe some sense. But usually, if you have a less favorable line, you'll have maybe an equal or a more favorable VIG. The really surprising thing about this one to me is that not only does FanDuel have this one more favorable for the MABs better by a full point, but the VIG is also more favorable. That is usually a rare combo to find. Uh, just, you know, like we always say, shop around because, and I'm just comparing two books. I didn't even look at Caesars, Bet MGM, the countless other books there are. Find your value, folks. McKenzie, I know we've got to get to your best bet. Mine is Mavs minus three and a half. But we've also got another game Wednesday night. A game that could potentially feature the top two teams in the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat, currently 41 and 21 following their win and cover against the Bulls. Headed to Milwaukee to take on the Bucks, currently thirty-seven and twenty-five, following their win and cover tonight. Last I saw, they were up thirty against the Charlotte Hornets. Now, there's no line out yet, but you have projected this at the Bucks minus three and a half. Does that factor in their thirty-point win over Charlotte, or does that win adjust this at all?
1: Considering both teams won in pretty dominant fashions, this uh, this kept this kept parity. And the Hornets being on the second night of a back-to-back, I kind of put an asterisk next to the Bucks win. As RJ would tell me, I didn't bet a million dollars on the Bucs, so I can't really act like the game didn't happen or as if, as if I knew what was going to happen. But NBA is a game of runs. One team wins by 10, wins by 30. Don't make a huge adjustment. In my power ratings just on one data point.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. So you've got the Bucs minus three and a half in this one. Two teams, like I said, vying for the top spots in the East. Star power on both sides. How do you see this one unfolding? Do you have a lean in this one? Obviously, the Heat, one of the best teams in hoops, against the spread. Milwaukee, one of the worst. Does that impact that? Uh, does that impact your outlook on this game more than the fact that both teams are just playing really damn good basketball right now?
1: I, I tend to lean towards the Heat. Thinking back to the playoff matchups, uh, how close they were. They met in the bubble, and then they met last year. And the first couple of games were were down to the wire, overtime type games. I don't think Miami uh, minds being in Milwaukee. I feel like they're gearing up for it. I feel like they're remembering last year's playoffs. I feel like they're remembering or rather uh, in their minds, imagining what it's going to be like if they have to go back there again in this year's playoffs. So I feel like they're, they're amped for this game and the home crowd uh, won't distract them at all. And Milwaukee gives up purposefully coach bud system gives up a ton of threes. They've been top three in three pointers allowed the last, you know, every year that Coach Bud has been there, and Miami Heat is a perfect team to expose that because they got guys off the bench, they got guys for days, and Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, PJ Tucker, with his corner three, they have guys to exploit what Milwaukee does, which is pack the paint. Well, if you pack the paint, you got to shoot shoot over the top. That's what Miami does very well. I feel like Milwaukee's kind of uh, just a step slow, a step worse than they were last year. So I, I lean towards Miami in the points. I'll also be looking at Drew Holiday, uh, that Miami Heat, I gave this out uh, with Luka Doncic going under and, and Trey Young going under. Point guards tend to go under the way Miami Heat plays with their press style, kind of the opposite of the Buck style, get the ball away from the perimeter. I feel like Drew Holiday is going to hurt in this game. The Heat give up the second fewest points to opposing point guards. So if this number comes out 18.5 or higher, I like Drew Holiday under.
0: All right, so you're leaning Miami points, but you're more definitive with Drew Holiday under 18 and a half points in this one. I have to say, when it comes to the game itself and taking aside, I'm leaning with you. I'm leaning Heat plus three and a half. You mentioned that they're really not phased by going into Milwaukee. Look at what happened opening night. The Heat went into Milwaukee opening night. They drubbed the Bucks, beat them by over 30 in that one. So yes, I don't think that being the road team in this one, having to go to Milwaukee, it's not football. You're not dealing with the Dolphins playing outside in Lambeau, right? I mean, they're, they're all playing indoors. I think the Heat are just fine with that. You know, Milwaukee, with the win tonight, snapped a five-game coverless streak. They they had gone ice cold against the spread, but they covered tonight. The Heat, on the other hand, in February, mediocre against the spread. They're, they're going to finish the month 6-4-1 and one against the number, so slightly above average, but 9-2 and two straight up. And, you know, if they win this game, they're going to cover, right? Pres- uh, you know, assuming that they are going to be underdogs in this one. The Milwaukee Bucks have gone over in nine straight, by the way. That's uh, that's an interesting note to look at because the Heat are an under team. So sticking with the sides, though, getting away from the total. Heat, I mentioned, nine and two straight up in February. Six, four and one against the number. On the road, 20 and 13, one of the best teams covering on the road in basketball. Uh both teams after a win are below 500 against the spread. The Heat, I believe, are just one game below. Bucks are about 8 or 9 games below. But then this is why I like Miami in this one or why rather I lean Miami in this one as an underdog. 13 and 5 against the spread, uh by far the league's best mark for underdogs uh covering. So, leaning with the Heat in this one, but I don't know. I think we could have a good game. I think it'll be a close game, in which, you know, which case it's I always say more beneficial just to take the points. But this is a game that, you know, I I would love to see this game at some point in the postseason.
1: Milwaukee Bucks, the twenty-eighth, the third worst defense over the last twelve days, the twenty-third worst defense over the last thirty days. RJ asked me, you know, what's wrong with Milwaukee? I'm like, they're kind of just walking through this year you mentioned opening night they got the ba- uh, banner ceremony they're feeling great and they just forgot to play basketball that night lose to the rivals miami heat by 30 i feel like that has been that kind of season that kind of month recently with the all-star breaking between the milwaukee's just kind of waiting in the wings knowing they're going to be there knowing what kind of talent they have uh miami's the opposite they came out opening night swinging They were pissed not to be more more alive later in the playoffs and that's the kind of season that they're having. So I feel like this will be a testament to that. Milwaukee Bucks would love to win- get the win, obviously, but I feel like maybe Miami first half will have to be the play because I feel like they're going to come out and and kind of hit the Bucks in the mouth a little bit, and we'll see how they react. So that would be plus two uh, about check me out on pregame.com. Check me out on Twitter, at Mac and Rivers. Actually, yeah, you you won't have to buy this one. I'll let you know if Miami first half ends up being a play for me, I'm strongly leaning in that direction.
0: Yeah, and by the way, I just want to uh, clear something up because I actually misspoke. I said the Bucks have, cu- have now gone over in nine straight. Uh, that game against Charlotte, dragging out, still not done. They're currently up 127 to 102 with a minute and a half to go. The over unders 238 Ooh. in that one. So they're currently at 229 with a minute and a half to go. So that'll come down to the wire, but eight straight overs going into this one uh nonetheless
1: what i love about having an under in this scenario if i'm watching the game there's 90 seconds left and i have five points you know the last 24 seconds and nobody's going to score when a team's up by 25 so keep that in the keep that in the back of your pocket
0: that's very true you got 10 points to work with in that one i'm going to see if i can get that on the screen with me uh mckenzie we've talked about some great games we have coming up we've talked about my best bet What is your best bet, my man?
1: For my best bet, we're going Tuesday afternoon or night on the East Coast. The Boston Celtics are hosting the Atlanta Hawks, and you know how heavy I've been on the Boston Celtics, recommending them at 30-1 to in the title odds. I think they're overpriced. I like the Atlanta Hawks plus six at Boston. This is another one of those Eastern Conference rivals where I think they're thinking about the playoffs. I think it's a playoff atmosphere. And in the players' minds... Whereas in the crowd, it's kind of, a, it's just another game and it doesn't really affect the Hawks too much. The Hawks have won, have beaten the Celtics in five out of the last seven. They didn't on February 13th. That was Super Bowl day in the morning. Celtics won 95-85. That was the first game that the Hawks were without John Collins, probably their second best player. At least that's that was the perception. I think if you look more recently than that, you see that this team's kind of taken a step, kind of veered in a different direction without Collins. More shooting, getting guys like Gallinale in there. And Trey Young has been his best self, putting up 37 as the Hawks blew out the Raptors, wasn't close wire to wire. In fact, if you look at since that Super Bowl game, that was the first game without John Collins when they lost to the Celtics. If you throw that out, the Hawks have the number one net rating in the league. They're three and one straight up in ATS. And we talk about getting to trends early. I just feel like the Hawks, they're... Outside of the playoffs, looking in, even though they were a Final Four team last year, this is where they got to put their foot in the ground. This is where they got to make their statement. They have a history of beating this Celtics team, Uh, and my power ratings only make the Celtics four and a half. And here's one little tidbit on why I started thinking the Celtics, as high as I've been on them, are starting to get overrated. While ago they were thirty to one consensus to win the title. I gave them out. I said that you know that's best value. NBA 538 says they have the highest chance to win the title out of anybody in the league using their metrics. Well, they dropped to 25 to one on before Friday when we did the uh, consensus title odds on Friday and they won a game and then they lost a game. They got blown out by 21 to the Pacers. Well, here we are on Monday. I do the consensus title odds and they tick up from 25 to one to 20 to one despite having their worst data point in the last month by far, literally, right before this move happened. I think people are kind of getting wise to how the Celtics are playing. It was kind of a a uh, it's kind of a quiet story. Now I think it's more of the mainstream as they've gone up in the standings. And I think they're just two points overvalued here. This should be this should be a close game. The Hawks metrics-wise are much better than their record and they've lost a few close games, but I still think they will end up being in the final 8 in the playoffs and it starts Tuesday night. It starts maybe not with a win, But keeping it close, making a statement, having a real contest versus this Boston Celtics team. So that's my best bet. Atlanta Hawks, again, shop around. Right now it's five and a half on DraftKings. I'm giving it out at plus six because that's where it is on FanDuel right now. Atlanta Hawks plus six at Boston Celtics. Best bet.
0: Yeah. Hawks are coming off a, a big game. Beat the Raptors by 27 in a game that I believe they were actually underdogs in. So maybe they're getting hot at the right time. They've won three out of four. They've got the star power, one of the most prolific shooting guards in the NBA in Trey Young. That could be the play. So McKenzie's got the Hawks plus six on Tuesday against the Celtics. I've got the Mavericks minus three and a half on Tuesday against the Lakers. Both of those games shop around. FanDuel currently, as, as of everything we've looked at, has the best odds. Just a reminder, always shop around before pulling that trigger and let's see if we can get back in the win column because it's been ugly lately on in regards to our best bets.
1: Yeah, I've, I've lost I've lost four best bets in a row. Uh I'm sorry people, but but yeah, but but it hasn't been for lack of trying and I like this play a lot. I like the Mavericks a lot, so hopefully by this time tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening, we'll be 2-0 and back on track.
0: There we go, that'll do it for episode twenty-one of the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'm Joe Serrallo. Catch me on Twitter at the Joe for my man Mackenzie Rivers. Thanks for listening.